Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Me, Myself, and TBI. I'm your host, Christina Brown Fisher. I am a journalist and writer and traumatic brain injury survivor. I spoke with former mixed martial arts fighter and UFC champion Spencer Fisher for a previous episode of the Me, Myself, and TBI podcast. Spencer Fisher was called the king of the cage fight. Today, he fights a different battle. If you didn't hear my conversation with him, I encourage you to listen to that show. He tells a harrowing story of survival following traumatic brain injury after fighting professionally in the UFC for 10 years. His wife, Emily Fisher, has been a witness to that struggle. She was beside him during the recording of our interview, often stepping in, providing prompts to help him remember certain points, gently guiding him when he lost track of his thoughts or became overwhelmed with emotion. During my conversation with Spencer, it became clear to fully understand his story, I would need to speak with Emily and hear her story. Please take a listen. Emily, what I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to pick up, you know, kind of where we left off. And there were some things that, as you know, because you were sitting beside him, that he just doesn't fully recollect. Um, But talk to me about that 2007 incident, because I even think that's back when you started noticing things. So, Emily, tell me when you started to notice um, a difference in, in Spencer. Well, it was definitely after the Hermes fight. And Spencer lost to Hermes Franca in their fight in 2007. I mean, I was pregnant with our firstborn at the time. And uh, I just remember probably a few months after that, I remember I had been put on bed rest because I was having early contractions. It was probably about a month and a half before I gave birth. But he, uh, I remember he would just like all of a sudden just take off and leave and, or he'd go out with guys and I'm just like, you know, you're going to leave me here alone right now. I'm like, I can't do anything. And I remember being you know upset and crying and him just nothing faced him. He would just, he didn't care. And I'm just looking at him going, what's wrong with you? What's happened to you? And, uh, I think the biggest shocker and, um, was after I'd had Lucia and we'd also gotten custody of, um, his uh, a daughter from a previous relationship. We had gotten custody of her two days after we had, or two days before we had Lucia time. And, you know, just kind of life was a little chaotic. And I remember we came down here to North Carolina to visit my family, let everyone meet the baby, meet Lucia. And we, it was Madison's birthday too. At that same time, it was around 4th of July weekend. And uh, so we threw a birthday party for Madison and I remember Spencer was on the internet and we're all trying to get him to get off the computer. And so anyhow, my mom had uh, decided to disconnect the Wi-Fi. And anyhow, Spencer didn't know this, but he got up and started helping and playing with the kids, you know, and getting engaged with the party, which normally is something he would do. But at this time, it's just like nothing we said mattered and he wouldn't do anything. So later on, you know, that evening, my mom sat down and told Spencer what she had done. And I just remember he got up. And she had told me, she's like, I told him what I did. I'm like, oh, why did you do that? Because I knew he had been really short-tempered at this point. And uh, he got up and looked at me, he goes, I'm leaving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he just walks, you know, walks in the house, goes back in our the room we were staying in, packs his bags, and like in front of all his friends and family and everyone that had known him, just walks out the door and leaves. And we're just like, what's that about? I'm like, I have no idea. You, you had know? never and seen anything like that from him before? No, no, never. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm trying to put on a, you know, a tough face because I'm like, okay, we've got a kid's birthday party going on. I'm like trying to make sure, you know, the kids are okay. And I'm just like, 
pretty much what the fuck. And uh, I think I tried calling him that evening and then, you know, we got into it and I'm just like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, I'm never coming back to that house again. He's like, this is, he's like, I can't believe they did this to me. This was stupid. You know, just all kind of like, whatever, you need to chill out. So now he was gone. I can't remember if the next day was, I think the next day was the 4th of July, you know, we're all still hanging out and going to watch the fireworks in town and he was gone. He just stayed away. And, uh, I guess the day after that he had called the house and I'm in bed asleep and he got on the phone with my dad and he told my dad, cause we had planned to stay down here for a full week. And he told my dad, he goes, let me talk to Emily. He goes, well, she's asleep. He goes, well, I'm leaving. He goes, you're leaving. He goes, yeah, I'm leaving. He's like, so I'm going back to Iowa. And he got in the car and he left, you know, he left me and the kids down here. And I'm just like, you know, when I found out later on, I mean, I was just, I, I was devastated. I was crying. I'm just like, what is going on? You know, is the, you know, the shock of the family is just like, oh, is he just become one of those guys? He's gotten some fame and now he's just too good to be part of, you know, the rest of our lives. Cause it was right after the Sam Stout fight. And I'm just, I couldn't, never, I never could, though, are you thinking brain injury or uh, no, any connection no. to, to that? Mm-mm. No, I just, I just didn't, I couldn't understand what was going on. You know, and then he ended up, you know, sending someone, he sent his friend back down here to pick me up. And I remember got back to Iowa and it was right at our anniversary time too. And we're still kind of getting into, we're still arguing and, you know, going out to dinner and, you know, trying to like, I'm still trying to process like what is going on with him. And, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs for several years after that, you know, there'd be times that I would just take the kids and I would leave and, you know, go stay in a hotel room to get away from him. Cause it was just like, he was so explosive. It was just like walking on eggshells and just the stress of having to deal with that and take care of the kids and just stay functioning was, it was getting really hard for me. It Emily, was exhausting. Did the, Emily, did the arguments ever become physically violent? With Spencer? Um, I, I might have thrown some things at him. He might have thrown some things at me a couple of times. But as far as hands-on, no, I mean, shoving matches, but nothing like where I felt like I was in danger. So, But the shoving matches, the physicality of the arguments, they were something that happened only after 2007 and, and after that 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 fight. Oh, maybe in her younger days we might have. Oh, I mean, you, okay. So that, so that wasn't so unusual should, then. So that wasn't necessarily no. unusual for you guys to be physical while arguing. No, but it was just more, I think more often, you know, and just over little things just that would just be blown. Like everything just got blown out of proportion. If, you know, if, uh, drink had gotten stale or something that a food item he wanted wasn't in the house or the kids are being too loud. Or, uh, I remember one time he had a, uh, a rash guard and we had some, we had a guy from Japan that was staying with us as well. And he had a matching rash guard. And I remember I did laundry, washed them and anyhow, rash guards don't shrink. And I remember he grabbed the guy from Japan's rash guard and they were matching rash guards and he had a complete breakdown fit angry through the shirt was cussing screaming and just you know ran out of the house and like because he's angry at me because I shrunk the rash guard and I'm just like these don't shrink I did not shrink your rash guard and you know of course I didn't it turned out it was not his so but just like that processing and reasoning and rationalization it was just you know 
not there. So, and, you know, he was talking about, you know, I mean, our marriage, we'd got, ended up, you know, I was going to leave, ended up getting counseling and, you know, that's when the, you know, he started speaking, to, you know, seeing the therapist on a regular basis and they were getting some medication for depression and things like that. And this was before the diagnosis, but that's kind of what helped us get the diagnosis, I guess. Um, you know, I, you want to say a blessing in disguise when he decided he wanted to continue fighting after the Sam Stout fight, you know, going in to get his, because at that point when he was going to fight Eves Edwards, I was at a point where I was like, you know, I'm ready. If our marriage is going to end, I'm fine with it because it was just so much stress. And uh, uh, what was it? I remember I wasn't going to go. He went and did the first test by himself. And that's when they came back with the false positive and he was on a medication called Wellbutrin at the time. And it was showing water on the brain. So when we found that out, I remember we discussed with the UFC and, you know, they were like, well, you're going to have to go back and redo this test since it was the medication. You're going to have to wait 10 days. And it was getting pretty close to the time of the Eves Edwards fight at that point. And I remember uh, the UFC doctor, I can't remember his name right now. He was, you know, mad at us at the time. I'm like, you know, this isn't, something we had control of we don't know so he and at had, this uh, time and at, the, and at this time according to spencer he really wants to get a clear to fight mm -hmm. he, he he wants to find a doctor that's going to say that he's yeah. fine well this time this was just a regular examination he was okay. doing his regular physical that he had to do to fight they require him all the time but this time it added in the eeg component because of his age and that's when they picked up the water on the brain. So they're like, all right, you're going to have to come back in 10 days, you know, detox from medication. And of course, for me, I'm just like, great, this, this is going to be awful. Him getting off this meds because, you know, it, I felt like it was helping his attitude and his explosiveness. And uh, he goes back in and, you know, at that time, you know, I had him, he was staying at a friend's house because, you know, I couldn't have him in the house. And I remember I wasn't going to go with him to the test and he calls me and he's like really upset and he's like, I'm scared. And I'm, you know, thinking, damn it. I'm like, fine. So I rush over to the hospital and I'm in there while he's, they're doing the second EEG on him. And they had to get me to come out of the room because he was trying to hold my hand and it was picking up on the sensors. So I left the room and they continued the test. And I don't know if we got the results that day or the next day from his regular physician. And she said, you know, they've found lesions on the left side of your brain. Um, I cannot clear you to fight. You're going to have to go to a neurologist before you get in. She's like, I will not clear you. So we ended up having to go to um, the neurologist there in the Quad Cities to be seen. Um, and he, you know, starts doing, you know, a regular neurologic exam on him. And I'm sitting there watching the exam and I'm just, and I'm seeing Spencer's, you know, not being able to remember the five words that they gave him, that they go back in five minutes to retest him on. He couldn't remember the words. Um, biggest thing was like, they were making him draw a clock. So there was like a picture of a clock that, and he had to draw the same image beside it and he couldn't do it. You know, he couldn't get the, he couldn't draw the circle. He couldn't get the numbers right. He couldn't get the the hour and minute hand in the right position and I'm and I'm just sitting here going this is bad and then there was like they show him pictures of animals and locations and like okay this is a rhinoceros where do you see these at and he got most of those but there was a few he would stumble on and then they showed him a picture and in the picture you know you see a woman in the kitchen and there's kids and all I can see is absolute chaos 
There's a kitchen sink that's like flooding into the floor. There's a fire on the stove. There's a kid, you know, opening a cabinet and there's like a big jar about to fall out. And, you know, the doctor's asked Spencer, well, what are you seeing? He's like, I see these kids trying to get cookies. And And I'm like, oh my gosh, he has no idea what's going on. And then they started doing the balance test on him and his balance was terrible. And I'm sitting here at this point, I'd been working with individuals with Parkinson's disease for six months. So I was getting, you know, informed and reading up on articles. Because at at this point, you've you've long walked away from your own MMA career Mm -hmm. and you're now a a personal trainer, correct? Yep. I had been doing real estate and I had quit my real estate job to full, Mm. like to go full time as a personal trainer working with individuals with Parkinson's. And which led on to dementia and strokes and some TBIs. And so I was, you know, getting informed and learning more about the way the brain, you know, brain works and activities along with these diseases and damages that can occur. And so when I'm seeing all this, I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my gosh. And uh, so the doctor sat him down. He's like, you know what? I think you have CTE. He's like, cause at that time it's when all the NFL stuff was coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, you've got all the symptoms. He's like, I can't, you know, I can't allow you to fight. And I'm sitting here instantly, like looking up, he gave us a pamphlet and I'm just instantly looking up information on CTE just so I can get it for my own information to find out. Traumatic encephalopathy. Mm -hmm. Find out exactly, you know, how this works in the brain and just seeing how you can't pick it up on normal imaging, you know, MRIs and things like that won't find it. And it's just the slow atrophying of the brain, similar to like cancer cells reproducing and spreading in the body. It's the brain just slowly atrophying, you know, one piece at a time. So, and I'm just here going, wow. And I'm reading at like the signs and the symptoms and I'm like, you know, seeing everything I've been doing with Spencer. And at that point, I'm like, aha, I'm like, this is what's been going on. So now all the pieces are beginning to fall into place. There's Mm -hmm. an explanation for you and for Spencer as to why he had been behaving the way he'd been behaving since Mm -hmm. really 2007. And I I want to go back to 2007 in that fight with Hermé Franca. Emily, you said, and and Spencer has even said that he he was never the same after fighting Franca. Um, in, in 2007, Franca tested positive for steroid use in July, 2007, and he was actually banned from competition. Was that something you guys were aware? I'm sure there's been things that have come up in the past. It's it's one of those, it's like, you know, what's it, what's it going to, where are we going to get out of it in the long run? I mean, the damage is done. Did you, did you know about the about I didn't the, know Spencer the, the ban have, and the steroid I, use accusation? Uh, I don't remember recall, but possibly I know we had talked about someone had brought up to Spencer about if Hermes was on steroids at the time of his fight, but I don't know if he was or not. I don't know if they were doing regular testing on all the fighters like they started doing towards the end of his career, or if it was just randomized. So. Yeah. So in 2012, that's when the mm-hmm. that's when the initial medical examination is, is done. That's part of the routine um, fight um, preparation. But it's it's really 2013 where effectively his career with the UFC and really his career as a fighter is yeah. over. At, at that point, now that you have an explanation, um. Are things beginning to make sense? How do you kind of figure out your next step now? Um, 
you know, well, of course, Spencer had talked about how he had spoken with the UFC on things like that. And as far as, you know, as with our relationship, I know for me, you know, cause I am a Christian and that's, you know, with all the stress and problems that we were having in our marriage, I was always turning to the Bible to, for answers and guidance. Cause you know, you get people telling you one thing, you know, yeah. always giving you their personal advice and in the end of the day, that doesn't matter. It's whatever you choose inside, you know, what your heart is. So I was always praying and asking for guidance. And this came as an answer. And I remember thinking back, I was like, you know, with my clients that are, they're all majority are elderly and suffering from these. And they've got their, you know, their spouses and caretakers that are right there by their side. And I'm like, you know, my marriage vows to him and to God were, you know, through sickness and health. And unfortunately, we're not all guaranteed for that to happen in our older retirement years, which is the normal process. You know, we're young and it's happened a lot sooner than we you know, expected. And so I had to learn a lot of patience and take my time to stand back and just, you know, when he's having his moments, you know, it's time to step back. There's no point in arguing. Give him a few minutes to calm down and then discuss because that's, you know, getting into a heated argument at the moment, it just doesn't help. It makes it, you know, the problems, whatever we're dealing with at that time, that much worse. So, you know, when he got the diagnosis, so it was like, again, we started working on getting him with a, a neuropsychologist, you know, some counseling. I was going there with the, him for those appointments so I could hear on both ends things so that would help him. And then, of course, you know, he wasn't ready to give up the fighting. And that's when the UFC had also sent us to, um, I can't remember if it was Desert Sands Neurology or uh, Sierra Desert Neurology, something like that. It was near the UFC fight offices. And they did, you know, they ran the test on Spencer again. Again, Spencer failed. And the guy said, you've got the symptoms of CTE. And um, we had a big meeting with Dana White and the Fertitta brothers. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? Spencer's like, well, I'm going to continue fighting. And I'm just, you know, at the point I'm like, you know, he's given everything he's got. I'm like, it's guys like him that make your sport big that are willing just to put on, you know, a show they're willing to fight. And that's what the crowd wants, pays to see. And um, I was like, you know, I'm like, and from what I've, you know, the people I take care of and help out, I go, I don't want to see him in the same position. But, you know, Dana was like, well, we're going to, yeah, you know, him and Dana talked and he was going to send him, see a, a guy who was a big CTE skeptic or probably still is. And uh, so they sent him out there to get the clear, Again, the whole, and this was 2014 at this point, and the guy does the whole battery of tests on him and then decides to do a spinal tap to see, to check his spinal fluids or cerebral fluids. And they find the tau protein in his cerebral fluids. And, you know, that's a pre, that's a positive sign for dementia. And he said it was a low amount. So he was in the early signs of dementia. You know, he's like trying to say that it was family history. And I explained to him, I go, no, his grandparents are all his mom died from cardiovascular or had aneurysm I was like but his grandparents all were living into their late 80s and they were very you know cognitively aware and you know relatively healthy mentally did you feel a sense of betrayal from the UFC from people like Dana White who's president of the ultimate fighting championship or the Fertitta brothers Frank and Lorenzo Fertitta they sold their shares in UFC according to some reports for an estimated $5 billion. Like the Fertitta, um, the Fertitta, I can't remember which one of the brothers I spoke with, but I felt like he was generally concerned. You know, he mm. spoke with us several times. I'd given us his assistance number and, you know, a check on things. Dana, you know, of course, you know, 
I'm sure he was concerned in the business standpoint, but as far as like the checking in, like the Fertitas did know, he didn't do as much unless he was doing it with Spencer on a separate level, but you know, able to contact him and talk about our concerns. And, you know, and I would contact him about, you know, like, you know, can you help guide us in the right direction for, you know, for medical treatment? I was like, I want to make sure he's with the right doctors and, you know, we stay ahead of this and we've got a good game plan put together. So that way we can not fix him, but make sure he doesn't progress quicker. And we're doing all the things we can to help him. What expectations did you have from the UFC following this diagnosis? Personally, I didn't have any. I told Spencer, I go, you know, this is a business operation. I go, and you're a product. And I'm like, and, you know, when the product's making money, you put it on the shelf, you put flyers for it everywhere, and you promote it because that's what's bringing in your income. I go, but when, you know, the product, no one thinks about the product anymore, you know, so does the corporation. They kind of put it on the back burner because it's no longer bringing in the profit. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it's been like for you. I, you know, so many times I'm talking to, and I, I certainly, you know, I'm a TBI survivor myself, but I know that um, so much of my recovery um, it was tied to the people who were around me, specifically my my mother and and, and my husband, um, supporting me through the rehab. And I don't think that uh, enough credit and acknowledgement is given uh, to the caregivers. I'm just curious to know what it has been like for you to see Spencer, the prize fighter that you fell in love with, and and Spencer, um, your husband, who really, really needs you in a way that perhaps you weren't expecting, at least not at, at this stage. Um, uh, since this is what I do for a living for my work, it, it, well, it's just, it comes normal for me. But, uh, you know, there's days it gets hard, you know. Luckily, thank God, my mom comes. I'm in school along with working right now. So she comes down and helps me out uh, probably four or five days out of the week with our children since I'm not here to like make dinners and do those types of things or help them with their homework. And then uh, I don't know. I take a lot of the load on my own shoulders. I do most of the most of everything. I do leave Spencer a list of some chores around the house to help out with when I'm not home. But as far as like the big stressors, as far as paying the bills, problem solving issues that come up with the kids or a car breaks down. Okay, what do we need to do if the car breaks down? You know, all those things that you could, a couple would do as a team. You know, I do a lot of that on my own just because I know how the stress and anxiety affects him. You know, he'll end up getting dizzy. He'll get nauseous. He'll vomit. You know, and it, it, it physically it wears him out and it's hard on him. And so, you know, I just try to, I carry most of the burden. Emily, were there ever times where your concern for Spencer also impacted your concern for your children? Were there moments where you were worried, for example, that maybe you couldn't leave the children alone uh, with Spencer? After Kira, our second was born, I remember I was working at the YMCA and he would have, um, he would have Kira with him because she was probably a couple months old and she was too young to get into the daycare at that time. I think it was three months. They had to be three months old before they could start going to the daycare. So he would watch her while I was at work because he could take her with him to his gym. And I would have, you know, I was breastfeeding at the time. So I would pump bottles and have them in the refrigerator ready for him to go. And I would usually get home about three, three thirty in the afternoon when Lucio and Madison would come home from school. 
and Kira would be crying hysterically and, you know, I couldn't get her to calm down and I'd see that, you know, her diaper was full. So I'd, you know, I'd go to the refrigerator and open it and I'd see a bo- the bottles I made sitting in the refrigerator and I'd look at Spencer oh and I'd go, you, you didn't feed her. And he goes, well, I wasn't hungry. Oh. And I'm just like, Spencer, <laughs> that's, that's not the issue. She needs to eat. So I talked to, um, my employer and I told her, you know, the situation, I was like, can I just bring her with me in the mornings and let her stay in this daycare until you guys close down, close at lunchtime. And then I'm like, I'll take my lunch break. I'll feed her, change her, get all that. And then Spencer can take her home. And she's just got a couple hours where she should be fine at that point. And so that's, you know, the routine we developed. So he would get to the he would come down to the Y usually around 1230, pick her up. And then I'd start with my next client at one. So, and just had to make a routine in those aspects that way. Uh, you know, as far as long distance driving, I get very concerned with his long distance driving. Cause I do know he does have like a, a visual delay and a lot of it, individuals with neurological issues do have this visual delay where they, you know, don't see things immediately. So I'm always concerned, not just with him, with the kids, but with himself as well, you know, because no matter how safely you might be driving, if someone's doing something erratic beside you, you know, there's only so much you can do to react in time. What are you finding is um, helping you and and helping him uh, kind of manage the symptoms now? Um, on the weekends, so we have, you know, routine is a big thing. So during the week, he usually gets up about seven, seven thirty. He does take Lucia, our oldest, he'll take her to school and then he'll go to the gym and he'll be in there kind of processing. I try to make sure he eats something before he goes. Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't because I know that will kind of help him too, as far as with his dizzy spells. Uh, and on the weekends, usually most weekends, there's one day of the weekend, he'll, I'll let him just sleep the whole day. You know, he won't get up to either late that evening or the next morning, depending. So you could look at like 24 hours of sleep. And that really does help him function throughout the next week. So like those next two or three days during the weekdays, you know, his, he's got more energy, he's more focused and, you know, it helps a lot. Have you found, Emily, that there are times when you're having to explain to your family, your friends, the decisions that you're making to help Spencer? You know, have there been moments where people have said, you know, why do you, you know, why do you do it? Or why are you doing it that way? Um, well, our 15-year-old. <laughs> so we have a teenage <laughs> daughter. So, and there's a lot of times, you know, she's, I mean, she's a teenager. So she gets angry and irritated easily and, you know, I remember there'd be times like when he's sleeping and she'll get angry because I'm like trying to get everyone to help with housework. And she's like, well, why does dad get to sleep in? And he can't help that. I go, he's sick. His brain is sick. Mm. And there's nothing. I'm like, it's not cancer or something that you Mm. can physically see on a person. I go, it's his brain and you can't see it. And he needs the rest. I'm like, you know, he's better off emotionally. He's happier and it's easier to like, you know, function with him in the house when he gets to sleep. I was like, because if we go in there and we wake him up, you know, he's going to be irritable and groggy and it's just not going to, it's just going to end up being a terrible situation for all. I was like, he needs sleep. And of course her is So this is the way it's got to be. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I was like, unfortunately, I'm sorry. This is not, you know, the Disney 
family that you see on television. I go, this is our reality. This is how it is. You know, we're, you know, I was like, take, don't take the good days for granted. So always enjoy the good days. Emily, I just want to say thank you so much for you and Spencer just opening up and just sharing your story. I know that this has not been easy. You know, well, especially with our marriage and relationship, it's not, you know, the, I guess you're what you envision a future to be like, but it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. There's just new challenges and obstacles, but you learn how to be patient and work through them. And for me, you know, turning to God and praying and just being guided in the right direction, knowing how to deal with each situation as it comes up, the good ones and the bad ones and being grateful, just being grateful, honestly, for every day that I have, because I know, you know, I, I see, you know, I always watch my surroundings and I'll see like an older couple that walks up and down the road together, hand in hand. And it makes me sad knowing that I might not have that opportunity when we get older. So always being grateful for the good days, you know, and sometimes even the bad days, depending on how bad they get, but just being appreciative. You know, I love my husband very much. And yeah, this is not the way we envision things in our future to be, but it is our future and we're going to make the best of it. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me and just, just for opening up and just being so vulnerable. And um, it, I just really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. To hear more, please check out my conversation with Spencer Fisher also on Me, Myself, and TBI, Facing Traumatic Brain Injury Head-On. You can find it where you listen to your favorite podcasts.